First of all, welcome again. We've been praying and discussing uh, this retreat from the very beginning, actually. I was looking forward to COVID coming to some kind of end, and I was hoping that we would be in a retreat. And if we did, it would be themed around this idea of rewiring, right? The, the, the design, the drawing that I did is this idea of rewiring. And I got this, this theme from Romans 12. The inspiration was from the passage Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, where Paul talks about, uh, last week, when we are in the book of Colossians, we talked about how Paul has this um, shift in every letter from theology to street. Theology to street, right? Paul says, God is like this, God is amazing like this, and you are made in his image, therefore... In light of, right? Every letter of Paul has a shift. And really, Romans 12 is that shift. Um, and, and that's why Romans 12, if you, if you read the passage, there's a, there's a transitional word called therefore, uh, which indicates uh, that all that Paul has talked about in Romans 1 to 11, I won't be doing that tonight because of limited time, but really Romans 1 to 11, in short, what Paul is uh, challenging Christians in Rome is that because they have been justified by grace alone through faith, uh, because of Christ and his love alone, now they can uh, live this way. And Romans 12 is really the continuation of the conversation. Um, and, And really Romans 12, Paul says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of mind. And I want us to circle that idea of renewal. Um, the Greek word is anakinosis, anakinosis, which could mean renovation, which could also mean complete change for better. Uh, and, and really, it's a shame that Paul doesn't elaborate on in this passage about what he means to renew our mind. But we know through the text and through Paul's different letters, Paul isn't simply speaking about renewing of our thoughts although that is an important aspect. Whenever we want to make changes, it starts with our thoughts. But he's really speaking about not just our thoughts, changing our thoughts, but really holistic change, rewiring of every area of our lives so that we are aligned or wired to the will of God. And and, and we all know the best way to rewire, renew ourselves is through developing healthy habits. Habits is a boring word, but it is actually something really, really helpful. Uh, this becomes especially important for us when we think about habits, as uh, Taya was talking about. We all live busy lives, endless things to do. Kyungmi is working as she's at the retreat, uh, demanding work, families, constant noise and lights, information bombardment, anxieties keep us speeding up and not slowing down. Uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, is, it's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We actually did a whole sermon series on the book, and it's written by a pastor named Pater, uh, Peter Scazzaro. He says this, he says, Every one of us has an co- unconscious rule for developing uh, one's spiritual life. We, we each have our values and way of doing things, whether that's attending a church on Sundays, participating in small groups, serving in a ministry. However... 
Pastor Peter in this book argues that those spiritual practices are not enough to keep us afloat in the ocean of what he calls beast, the Babylon of 21st century world. And fighting against such a strong current without the anchor, and, and Pastor Peter really recommends us to have this thing called rule of life, Without rule of life, it's really hard to live in this world of Babylon where we're constantly being sped up. If we don't have a rule of life, eventually we find ourselves unfocused, distracted, and really, without knowing, drifting away from God further and further. Um, so what Pastor Peter in the book, book is saying is, yeah, we all have these values and ideas that like we should go to church, we should do a small group, we should go on missions, we should give. But without intentionally setting habits or rule of life, what you'll realize is the world is way too busy, way too fast, and way too tempting, and soon you'll find that you have drifted away. You know what's really interesting is when um, people leaving church, there's a book written by a lady named Julian Dunn. It's called Quitting Church. And, and really the, the, the summary of that book is people, um, there's an assumption that people leave church because they're hurt, by people in the community, or, or you know, they go through something really traumatic. And th- those are true. Those are, they're, they're, they're part of the pie. But sh- she found in this research, research that most people quit church. This is a 10-year-old book, so research is a little outdated. But most people leave church because life just simply got busier and they found something better, right? This, so it's this idea of Julian Dunn, she was surprised that she thought people left church because of these traumatic and dramatic things. But majority of people leave church because they just got busy. And I think that's, that's really what Pastor Peter is talking about. Unless we have a strong rule of life in the way we relate to God and community, uh, community and, and discipline and growth is, is not guaranteed. So this means if we really want to nurture a growing spirituality with depth in our present-day culture, it's going to require a thoughtful, conscious, intentional plan for our spiritual lives. Therefore, we've centered this retreat around the theme of rewiring, and each speaker that will be coming tomorrow, they're not only great friends of mine, but they are excellent preachers, and they'll be talking about each disciplines, different type of disciplines that we, we ought to keep. So I want to do sort of a big overview, big picture of this weekend. Um, and by encouraging us and kind of unpacking this idea of habits, why habits are so powerful. Because we often assume, right, this is kind of an assumption in the world, that our actions are largely shaped by our thoughts and beliefs. You believe eating a bag of Doritos, I, I talked about Doritos last week, you, you believe eating a bag of Doritos at night is not good for your health, so we reach for a healthier snack, perhaps an apple or something else. Our beliefs and thoughts play a vital role in keeping us alive. Yet, yet, like I shared last week, my, my love for Doritos, Pastor John brought some Doritos to this retreat. Uh, there are days where I know Doritos are terrible for me, yet I end up finishing half a bag. Right? There are days we, we know, okay, ordering fried chicken is bad. It's really, really not good, but we, we pick up our phone, go to Coupon Eats, and we, we order fried chicken, right? 20 bucks. Amazing. We did that last night. In fact, in many of our lives, there exist these gaps between what we, what we believe 
and what we may say we desire versus what we end up choosing. I talked about this also last year. How there are these gaps in our lives. How we want to spend our money versus how we actually spend our money. How we want to treat our loved ones versus how we actually treat them. Like when my mom tells me, I'm coming to Korea. I get really excited. I get this warm feeling of missing my mom. And I soon as go to the airport, pick her up, and she says something. I'm okay, mom, we got to go back. <laughs> like, I imagine this wonderful time with my mom. And as soon as she comes, I become like a, like a big child, right? How we want to, like, we watch these dramas. We're like, oh, I want to love my parents. And then we, we spend time with them. Like, okay, I can't love them, right? Um, and, and really, Paul describes this gap very, very articulate, articulately in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says this. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Even Paul, this is the guy who wrote half of the New Testament, says, I sometimes do the thing I hate. I reach for the, those Doritos. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anyone? Sometimes. But here's what's more alarming. As we get older, right? In, in our 20s, yeah, okay, but when you turn 30s and maybe 40s and 50s, as we grow older, these gaps become even more daunting because these gaps are no longer simply what we desire to do versus what we actually actually end up doing. It becomes who we wish we were versus who we actually are, not in a very good way. So, so the question I want to kind of tackle tonight is, how do these gaps begin to close in our lives? How do we really, you know, we, we value being authentic in this culture? Like, any young people want to be authentic. How do we actually live authentic lives where there's this gap between what we want to do and what we actually do? How do we close that gap? And really, I think the scripture says it's not just what we believe that determines our action. The formula works the other way around as well. So often it isn't what we believe or we say we love that shapes our decisions and our choices. It's actually the actions, what we do, that shapes what we love. Ultimately, who we become. So you see that drawing? Can we go back to other drawing? Okay. So we believe, right? This is a common belief. Whatever we think is good for us, these things lead us to these actions. But scripture actually says it also works the other way. This is true too, but it also works the other way around. It's what we end up doing that also determines our affection and our, our hearts. Romans 6, this is what Jesus says in verse 21. And I'm going to be fairly quick because we get a, we get a Kids are waiting, all right? Romans 6, 21. Uh, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in, steal, or lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For, and this is the kicker, Jesus says, this is the key, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice Jesus doesn't say where your heart is. You will find your treasure. He says it the other way around. He says, 
what we treasure or what our treasure is will shape our affection. So, so one common example, when people begin to make money, like good money, not just like middle class rich, but like really, really lots of money where you're not counting money anymore. Initially, people are motivated by what money can do for them, what money can buy. Initially, when you make little money, it's like, oh, I can get money to buy this car. I could get money to buy a new iPhone. Right? Money as means to a greater end. But when people continue to accrue wealth, after a while, something happens, often unconsciously. They no longer love, love money for what it can give them, what it can buy them. But actually, what you realize is people love money for itself. It's no longer about what the money can buy me. It's I actually love money. And this is what Jesus means, right? So this means what we choose to store up, like it or not, will vastly shape our affection even more than we would like to admit. And over time, those practices become habits. This is why establishing a good rule of life, habits, is essential to developing healthy spirituality. In fact, something really interesting about habits, this is all human behavior, right? Anywhere between 50% to 90% of our actions that we, we do every day, brushing our teeth, brewing coffee, looking at the mirror, dressing up, driving, we think those are individual decisions, right? But if you look at the research, they are not individual decisions, but they are actually just our habits in action. Again, from your morning routine of getting out of your bed, brewing coffee, looking at your phone, brushing your teeth, commuting to work, all those decisions are not individual decisions, but habits that we have formed. So, so scientists call this adaptive unconsciousness. This is a scientific term. It's our brain, human brain, is always looking for ways to save energy. We are like this efficient machine. So when once habits are formed... And we, and, and we are used to what we're doing. Our brain will actually shut off to save energy. Driving is a great example. Like when I get into my car to make my drive to the church, I remember getting into the car, but I actually don't remember how I got to church sometimes because my brain has shut off and it's just habit, right? Driving is one thing that we do, right? Great example. On your phone, as soon as you open your app, what do you open up? Instagram, Tangan, Coupon, whatever, you, you know, you just don't know why you're doing that, right? And you realize, oh, I, I came to office to do work, but I'm on Facebook. 20 minutes has passed, and I'm just watching shorts that are not helpful at all. We, we, they're just habits, right? Uh, it's because it's, it's actually this scientific, call, uh, the term called adaptive unconsciousness, um, so when our action becomes habitual with enough time and repetition, they really greatly shape who we become. This means, uh, when you think about it, the direction of our lives, contrary to common belief, are not decided by big conscious choices that we think we make. Instead, a small, seemingly insignificant, unconscious habits, they really deeply impact the future course of our lives. 
So friends, it is not simply our beliefs and values, just like what Peter, Pastor Peter says, that will control the direction of our spirituality. It's often seemingly small, insignificant, unconscious actions that determine where, we're, where we will end up. So all that is to say is creating healthy habits takes intentionality and effort. Yet once we do establish them, it has the ability to liberate us. So, so habits are, are, are always formed, right? But once we create healthy habits, they actually give us this sense of freedom. Anyone like basketball or soccer or any sort of sport? Okay. What, do you know what professional basketball players and accomplished jazz pianists have in common? When you, when you watch Steph, Steph, Steph Curry, amazing basketball player, and I don't know a famous jazz pianist, I should. When you watch wherever that person play and play sports and play music, they play with this beauty and fluidity. Yet they're only able to do that because over time they have mastered the fundamentals. You can't play good jazz music without having good fundamentals. I mean, really, it's hard to be free and go with the flow in jazz unless you know your stuff. Basketball, same thing. You can't, you know, be this beautiful player without spending thousands of hours of shooting and playing. That's what allows them to play with so much freedom and beauty. So just quick reminder, habits we create shape us more than we realize too. But yet when we create good habits, it frees us, it liberates us. So I, on the slide, I have 12 areas. This is Pastor Peter talks about these 12 areas. And I was going to do this in the middle of our session. But instead of doing that, can you just take a picture with your phone of this slide? Um, and this is just 12 areas that he recommends. And I want to encourage you guys, if you have like 20 to 30 minutes in this retreat during this weekend, just go down the list and really, really write down one thing that you want to start practicing in these areas. So as simple as scripture, uh, one thing I do for me is I, I usually write about 10 verses a day. I like to write. Um, Korean spirituality, I don't know, my parents made me write when I was a kid. The Bible, it's a Korean thing. But I, I, love, I love writing like Psalms. You can do that. Um, silence and solitude, like one thing you can commit to is waking up in the morning and not checking your phone right away or not checking your phone first two hours. Daily office simply means prayer, right? Different ways that you're going to engage God throughout your day, not just in the morning, not just the night. Studying scripture, right? Um, I know a mentor of mine who studies 10 minutes at 10 o'clock every night, 10 minutes of scripture. And that's it. That's how he does, and he, he loves it. Pastor Daryl Johnson, he does that. Um, number five, Sabbath. Sabbath is not simply going to church, but it's like, if you think about Jewish Sabbath, it's like, not working at all. They won't even change the light bulb, right? If you, you know, if you really go to a uh, traditional Jewish route, you won't do anything, right? So, so just plan rec recreation, right? Committing to doing something together with your spouse or yourself. Um, go down the list. And I want to just encourage you guys. This is what Peter Scazzaro calls the rule of life. This is 
from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he recommends that we go down to the list. And, and I think one goal will be fantastic for each area. Um, you know, next two days we'll have three speakers and they'll speak on different, uh, different spiritual disciplines. So they'll probably cover some of these things. So I want to really encourage you guys to start thinking about e either with your spouse or yourself, sit down and, and talk about, hey, these are some things that we want to do. Um, and, and because we are so uniquely, like as we're sharing, you realize we're very diverse and uniquely made. So my rule of life will look very different from Ali's rule of life versus Arnold's rule of life. Um, but, but the goal is same, right? Through this rule of life, uh, it's Romans 12. It is to be transformed by renewing, rewiring our mind. Uh, and, and really, a lot of rewiring happens not only through our belief, our values, because we can say we love these things, but it's not until we create healthy actions, repeated actions that become part of who we are, that these things really come into effect. Um, but I do want to wrap up our time uh, with communion, actually. This is uh, is, 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 uh, do we have communion? I asked the team. Is, is, Kyung, I know you're finishing work. Is there communion in the back? <laughs> Finish work. Uh, um, I wanted to finish together with communion. Uh, I think Arnold's going to grab some. But let me explain why. Because this is one of the most wonderful disciplines that Christ has given us. This is also a discipline that Christ has given us. And throughout the church history, this has been the highlight of worship services. When you and I partake in Jesus' body and blood, we are joining the very practice that's been followed by every community since the birth of the church. Have you thought about that? Every week as we do communion as a church, we are following in, in, in practices that's, over thousands of years old that church has done from the very beginning. Um, and this is why we love communion at King's Cross. And communion is not unique. It's not flashy. It's, it's something we do over and over again. We, I say the same thing every week. Yet this is where we not only find strength, unity, but joy and hope as we enter this weekend. Friends, every time we come to Jesus' table together, we are being transformed. We come to the table with our worldly habits, but Jesus offers us something better. You know why I do communion every Sunday? Because sometimes my sermons are not good. I know, sometimes the sermons are not good enough. And even if my sermons are good, you're not going to remember them anyway. That's why I started drawing. But you know what? Communion... No, it's amazing because it does transform us. It's, a, it's this little physical practice that God has, Jesus has called us to. And whenever you come to our church, you're going to experience transformation. Not because sermons are good or singing is good, whatever is good. It's because we are partaking in his body together weekly. We come with habits of living life with this pressure and to desire to be self-sufficient. How many times have we become anxious this week because we feel like we're faking it or we feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we don't belong. Jesus says, it's my body and blood that is sufficient for you. 
We come with habits of living life or desires to win, earn, and gain for ourselves. And Jesus says, the true victory that you desire is only found in me. It is not earned, but received. We come with habits of exclusion and, and tribalism. Jesus says, all are welcome. In fact, your titles and crowns carry no real weight at my table. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or first-time believer. It doesn't matter you are a CEO or you're a teacher or you're something else. It doesn't matter what you have done or how you have not lived. Everybody's invited to the table. We come to the table with self-centeredness. We say, Lord, we invite you. But the Lord's Supper is a sobering reminder that you have been invited, that I've been invited. This is his table, his feast, his body, his blood. In fact, all of life is God's invitation for you and I to come, to pray, to rest, to eat, and to play. So we started our time talking about this gap that exists in each of us. Who I am versus who I want to be, right? That was the idea. There are only two ways to deal with this gap. Because people can't live with the reality of this gap. Either people close the gap by lowering their expectation. As we grow older, we slowly redefine what we want to be and let our dreams die. That's one way to close the gap. Change your dreams, set different set of, set, set of goals, make them achievable. Or the other way is to move to the other side and really not accept the reality of who we are. We deny things that are true about ourselves. Some people call that delusional. We become delusional. We minimize or say things that we're not as bad as, we're not as difficult as, we're not as hard to work with, hard to work with. Yet Jesus offers a middle road to close that gap. And friends, this is the gospel. Jesus lived a life that we could not live, died the death we deserve. And it's only through his victory over sin and death we can truly be who we were meant to be. And he has closed the gap. So every time we partake in his body and his blood, we are reminding ourselves that each, that new life, that we have been given. We are reminding each other as a community, as we share intimately, we're reminding one another that his victory stands strong over our sin and death. Friends, this is Jesus' body given for you. Let's partake together. I need two hands for this. Okay, thank you, brother. Every week, man. Every week. Jesus' body. This is Jesus' blood poured out for you. Let's partake together as we begin this weekend. Jesus, we thank you for your body and your blood. We thank you for this age-old tradition of coming and receiving from you. Lord, in this room, um, some have come wanting to pause. Others have come without much expectation, want to be present. Others have come with um, fear, with anxiousness, with 
different ideas of what this weekend will be like. Um, yet, Lord, we are reminded again, the king is here. And we are invited to the king's table. Would you strengthen us? Would you renew us once again? We thank you for tonight. Just in we pray. Amen.